Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. I'm a postdoctoral fellow uh, in the Social Environment and Health Program, which is in the Survey Research Center, which is in the Institute of Social Research. So my work mainly focuses on how structural racism or the systemic advantages for whites that are really deeply baked into our institutions and our culture, our broad social and economic systems, political systems, everything else kind of coalesce to shape health. And that's really kind of purposely wide in scope because I like to look at a whole bunch of different things and can't stay focused. But some recent examples of that to give you an idea of what that means includes looking at how structural racism distorts social processes that are really fundamental to personal well-being, like how structural racism shapes the kind of health benefits of economic mobility, or how the actions of race cognizant institutions like law enforcement or kind of other aspects of the criminal justice systems like prisons kind of create harm and generate disparities across different racial groups. You know, there's been this big, broad conversation around police violence in the United States, right? I mean, it was clear that there was like a problem and that uh, Black individuals were at higher risk of kind of like experiences in this type of violence, right? But we were lacking really robust numbers um, that kind of detailed how big of a problem it was. And so that's what that study was aimed at. And so in that study, like, it's all about trying to providing these demographic estimates. And we find like a bunch of little bit of details. I think some of the stuff that stands out most is the racial disparities. So among men, we see that about one out of every 1,000 Black men or boys uh, could be expected to be killed by police at some point in their lifetime. Uh, compared to one out of 2,000 Latino or American Indian men, one out of 2,500 white men, and one out of 5,000 Asian males. We also find that while women are at much lower risk of being killed by police, like about 20 times lower uh, risk among women than men, uh, there are still really big racial disparities in risk among women, with Black and Native American women have a kind of risk that are about 1.5 times higher than white women. <laughs> Lastly, I guess we, you know, we break things down by age in that analysis too. And we find that, you know, risk is highest among young adults between about 20 to 34. And it's particularly pronounced among young men of color, where dying by in an interaction with the police is the sixth leading cause of death for that age group. Um, behind things like other homicides or overdoses and suicides and stuff like that. I think, to me, at least these stories really highlight the structural nature of this problem. They're stories of folks being killed by police in these really heinous ways that aren't new to us, right? Uh, I can't breathe isn't something that is new. It's something that we've heard before. And the story of like some a woman getting shot in her own home by officers is also, unfortunately, not a new kind of like scenario, right? And so that we can shift out like all the individual actors that are in play here, right? The police are different, the victims are different, the cities are different, and even like the law enforcement agencies and their kind of particular rules around like use of force are all very different, but you get these eerily similar situation. To me, that's like a clear indication that this is like a systems level problem and that something has to be done to the system to be able to kind of escape this pattern. 
the hope was really to, on a scientific side, right? Like the hope is to really describe a phenomena in the US, right? But like on a, more of like a, okay, we're gonna be doing something here side. Like, I guess we want to really amplify the voice of kind of activist groups and kind of other scholars that were doing this work that were like kind of making claims that this is a problem. Um, but we're kind of met with, I don't know, like there was some discourse like, oh, how big of a problem is it really? And you saw some other academics that put out faulty studies that were like, oh, it's not nearly as big of a problem as like other folks are saying. So just like kind of saying, okay, let's provide some numbers. And then after we put out the study and saw that the activist groups were indeed right, be like, okay, let's give folks numbers to really get out there and hammer this message home and reach people with. There's been some kind of discussion about kind of like trying to intervene on this by like kind of going after bad apples or kind of setting stricter rules around use of force and all these kind of like kind of intermediate changes. But again, because this seems to be such a systems level problem, we're going to have to target kind of that, or we're going to have to do interventions on that level to really see change. First of all, one thing that I hope that the movements really keep in mind is that the underlying uh, kind of issue here is that we undervalue Black life in this country in general, right? Uh, you can pick out just about any health indicator, justice outcome, any economic measure, and you'll see that Black folks have been handed like a systematically bad hand across the board. And that's not a secret at all uh, that Black folks are across the board having kind of a rough go of it. Uh, we have tons of great activists, scholars, and journalists that make that kind of clear on a daily basis. And yet, kind of enacting interventions that ha are explicitly trying to change any of that have been and are really far down the list of collective priorities for this country. And so without changing this and, you know, making Black folks' well-being this kind of shared and natural priority, um, I don't think there's going to be any political will for serious criminal justice system intervention that will reduce police violence or kind of general wealth for kind of interventions that improve the well-being of black and brown folks more generally. So if we want to kind of like with all this energy that we have around the protest and stuff, if we want to like kind of leverage that to create real durable change, like I think, you know, focusing on developing value for black lives is really square one. So we got to keep pushing it with that in mind, I guess, to get a little bit more concrete and talk specifically about police violence. Um, I would, again, say pushing for um, interventions that really kind of target systems, such as like kind of these defund initiatives that uh, kind of seek to really disrupt the entire system of how we do policing by redistributing police funding to all sorts of other social <laughs> services is important in the type of change that we do need. Uh, it's pretty easy logic to see why that is, right? System level problem, we need system level intervention that reconfigures the entirety of how we deal with unmet needs, crime, and kind of like controlling folks through police, right? If we're going to change, that's the type of stuff. I think it's really the same thing that anybody else can do, right? And that's really not settle for lawmakers or organizational leaders or whatever that aren't kind of going after kind of system level interventions. You know, doing things like taking the day off of work in solidarity with your black and brown coworkers is fine and well and certainly appreciated, but if you really care about altering the systems that affected your black and brown colleagues in the first place, uh, you need to really kind of get out there and demand leaders that support either laws or organizational practices that actually target these kind of underlying kind of systemic root causes. 
um, because otherwise we'll be right back here. I don't know, maybe probably a different podcast and a different postdoc and a different inter interviewer, maybe even a different university, um, but without changing that underlying system, we're just going to keep seeing the same iterations over and over. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.